Hello, my name is Ariana Cox, and this is my podcast on how to be a supervillain. Let's begin talking about what is a supervillain. Supervillains are often used as foils and can present in a daunting challenge to the superhero. At instances where supervillains don't have any superhuman, mystical, or alien powers, the supervillain may possess a genius intellect or skill set that allows them to draft complex schemes or commit crimes in a way a normal human cannot. The first step to being a supervillain is a psychology. Many supervillains in many franchises tend to have a messed up, tricky, or even complicated psychology to the point that makes them interesting individuals and forever will leave an impact in our minds. The psychology of all supervillains is never really the same, and their motives can range from revenge, life experiences, on the rare occasion that they truly just feel like doing it. They'll always keep this in mind. Just like what Mr. Wayne said in the Necessarily Evil doc- documentary, almost every villainous character worth his salt is someone who believes that they're doing the right thing. A prime example of a supervillain is Lex Luthor. Luthor's parents are depicted as negligent at best and abusive at worst, and are almost always trying to exploit his gifts to make money off of him. In The Man of Steel, he grew up in the poverty of the suicide slums of Metropolis until they noticed how brilliant he was, and forced him to enter science competitions and otherwise profit from his gifts while keeping the money for themselves. In retaliation, Lex secretly murdered his parents for the insurance. This event alone caused Luther to be the mad genius he is and how he continues to act every time we see him. The psychology, along with the backstory, keeps the people interested in you. The second step of being a supervillain is finding a rival or superhero counterpart. Supervillains usually have a superhero counterpart to come and try to defeat them to save the day. A challenge will keep things entertaining and also you could build a relationship with them. A prime example of this rivalry is the Joker and the Batman. In many ways, the Batman and Joker are best friends, putting an understanding of each other not seen in other hero-villain dynamics. In most films, the villain is defeated after one film, killing any chance for relationship development, while longer-running shows and video game franchises are able to fully capture the respect these two have for each other. The DC Extended Universe has a chance to do what most films haven't, capture the familiarity with each other on the big screen. Whether it can be successful enough to do that remains to be seen. Having a rivalry will keep you on your toes and will force you to advance in your ways of conducting your plans. I have, I have three questions. Okay. Um, as a whole, what do you think about supervillains? As a whole, what do I think about supervillains? Um, I think they, the supervillains, they're kind of this hyperbolic, exaggerated uh, version of evil. Sometimes they come across as uh, almost comical with how devious they are, you know, but, um, but they, they generally, they help, uh, they help fur- further the, nu- the narrative or the story or whatever because of the, co- um, the conflict they come into with the superhero, right? I mean, if, if you want to have you want to have this duality or this binary of good versus evil, um, you if you have to have 
something as powerful to match the other, right? If it's regardless of good or evil. Okay. Uh, next question is, do you think backstory has a huge impact in the supervillain's motives, motives and becomings? Yes, I do. Um, you know, whether it's comic books or Shakespeare or whatever, um, we always, uh, you know, we look at literature and it basically it's a, it's a mirror we hold up to see ourselves in someone else. And I think we all um, become a sum of our actions. And it's important to understand motive. Uh, it's very important to understand the backstory, right? Because it, it kind of makes you think about your own humanity. Because is this person inherently evil? Or is this person... Um, or is this person, were they, were they traumatized and something bad happened to them and they didn't find a way to cope with it and that's why they got that way? We always want to know the why. And last question is, based on character arc and traits, out of all the super villains you know, who is the best and why? The best villain. Okay. Um... I would say um, my personal favorite is the Joker because there's no rhyme or reason um, and he's mysterious and there have been attempts to create a backstory for Joker but also he's so unpredictable you never know how he's going to react in a moment and uh, it always it always defies any sort of expectation you have and, it, and, and you can you know he's like he, you can take him anywhere. Um, that's my personal favorite. However, probably the best, um, supervillain I've ever seen would be, uh, from the Harry Potter books, Dolores Umbridge. I, I, I was far more scared of her than Voldemort. Um, the, you know, just the way she, the packaging is what's, what's scary. This, like, prim, proper, um, woman of status who actually had all these ill designs on virtually everyone um, and uh, had a cause. Uh, yeah. The third and final step is having a henchman. As a supervillain, you cannot be in two places at once, so henchmen are a good thing to invest in. Henchmen will often do things that you never wish to do or even deal with your enemies for you. A goodish example for a henchman is Harley Quinn in a sense. She's a direct ball from the Joker, handles things for him, fights his enemies, and makes sure things get carried out. Henchmen can make things easier and do things that aren't really in your interest. That concludes for my podcast. Yet again, my name is Ariana Cox, and thank you for listening. I hope you have a good day.